Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. All right, we are back for another episode of Nobody Told Me That. I have Brian Laskin with me. He is really known for being sort of ahead of the curve when it comes to tech things. And Brian, I say that because I've been watching you with your products for years. You're always ahead of the curve. How are you today? I'm doing well. Great to see you. I just love the energy and perspective you bring to dentistry, so I'm honored to be on your podcast. When I first met you, you were doing the virtual the virtual reality, making people calm, doing that. And I remember the naysayers were like, it's so big, it's going to get in the way. And what do you want to do that? And why do I want this extra? I'm just going to give them a shot. You know, I'm going to send out all of the people that are really trouble. I don't want to worry about that. And then all of a sudden, virtual reality is everywhere. So you are ahead of the curve with that. Now you're you're still bringing it and you have a book. So I definitely want to talk about the book because congratulations, writing a book is not easy. Thank you. But you've got some things in the pipeline. Can you, before we get to that, can you tell me how many things do you have going in your head at a time? Because you strike me as one of those people where you, if you don't have an idea today, you're going to come up with three tomorrow. I really like bringing ideas to life. That's what I like doing most. At my core, I'm an inventor or, or a problem solver, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like in dentistry, particularly when it comes with innovation and technology, that the industry has been behind the curve quite a bit. Not when it comes to delivering clinical care, but basically everything else in dentistry is behind the times. What other business do you actually call on the phone to schedule an appointment, right? <laughs> That's like the, a simple example that I think of that, that we as an industry have been falling behind. And I think that as somebody who has sort of hypervigilance and has been seeing patients at a very high level for 20 years, there's no lack of places to make improvements. And I just started about 10 years ago, starting, I shifted from helping other people with their technology. I realized that these problems that I'm seeing in my practice, I could actually create the solution for. And then it became obsession, addiction, <laughs> snowball of improvement, however you want to say it. Right. <laughs> and so so thank you for that. And I, and I do think that there is, it's really my perspective is if it's broken and somebody else hasn't found a solution, I want to. That's kind of really what it comes down to. And we have a lot coming out for somebody in innovation when you have the crisis like we just came out of. Sure. What happened was it shortened the timeline for a lot of technologies that we were having, like virtual reality. That's a huge uptick because there's a lot of anxiety in dentistry, as you may have heard. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Therapeutic virtual reality, which I think we were either the second or third therapeutic virtual reality platform that I know of at all. And now there's like a hundred of them, right? It's really exploded. You were definitely one of the first, actually. And I remember when my husband, he got an Oculus a couple of years ago, whenever it came on the market. My son, that's all he wanted for Christmas was an Oculus for himself. And now they love the virtual reality. I guess why I'm saying that is because it's not just this weird, only nerds are going to pick that up or whatever. Everybody could really like have a good time with this virtual reality. I could see it calming because I'll sit and watch some penguins running around and it's very calming to me. <laughs> yeah. 
therapeutic virtual reality is quite different than like an Oculus, but directionally correct. Like, you know, just immersing somebody, mm-hmm. you have con- complete control of their awareness. So you can make them calm, right? Which is what we do it versus a game where you're getting somebody really amped up. Really what I found is that with the crisis and time, a lot of things that I thought were five to 10 years away from being implemented, people have adopted at a rapid rate. And what that's allowed us to do as an innovation company is really to create the next level of solutions, right? And so we have about eight different initiatives that are rolling out over the next 60 days, and (laughs) I'm super excited about them. Uh, We have, you know, know, like you said, the book, which uh, really came out of, with all the things that we do, you know, here, people are always like, what's new? What are you doing? Like you just kind of mentioned, and I wanted to sort of write the book to show the perspective as to why implementing some small technologies is the key to having the practice of your dreams. I think when people in dentistry think of technology, they think of CAD CAM, CT imaging, something that costs $100,000 or maybe tens of thousands of dollars and is a heavy lift and lots of energy and time to learn how to use. But one of the most successful pieces of technology in my office is my Keurig coffee pot that patients love, right? (laughs) Just the simple things that you can do in your practice that people overlook because it's easy conveniences for the, from the patient's perspective. Mm-hmm. But that's really what truly has... And I have all every piece of technology in my office. We were one of the first offices in Minnesota to have a, a CT imaging system. I have everything. But the key to really thrill patients are the easy, small technology pieces. And I wanted to kind of tell some stories, expose sort of my experiences as to why I believe there's a what I call the great disconnect between dental teams and dental patients. We view things very differently in dentistry yeah. for very easy to understand reasons, but we have to, we have to know what's going on to be able to directly address it. I think it's a result of our industry having always been in demand. Patients were always going to be there. Whereas now we've sort of turned it into a customer service oriented industry, which, you know, you can still provide good care and still be business minded. I mean, as we all know, I remember looking at the different software with my boss when I was full time and it was like, man, nothing does everything. But I have to say, at no time did we look at each other and said, why don't we create it? At no time did we do that. That's how it happens. Like paperless forms, you know, who who would have known that would be such a big part of the pandemic? Everybody who didn't have paperless forms all of a sudden scrambling. I'm sure your phone was going off the hook. Teledentistry, when you said shorten the curve, absolutely. I'm so happy because that's such an easy way to make your patients happy. A mom of like four trying to come in to see if just her tooth hurts, is it something serious? That's the beauty for her. But paying online is probably the easiest thing to make patients happy. The ability to go online and pay your bill. I think we make it really hard to be a good patient. I think we make it hard. It's a lot of friction we lay down. Yeah. And I I think the origins of it really go back to dental school for me. Because when you're seeing patients, we work in nanometers, right? We're very, you know, we do microsurgeries all day long on people that are frankly anxious to be there. If we were, were truly empathetic towards patients, we, if we really absorbed their feelings, we wouldn't be as capable at performing high quality dentistry. Mm-hmm. Beginning in dental school, I think, and or dental assisting school or dental hygiene school, We learn to start desensitizing ourselves from our patients' feelings because in the interest of actually doing better clinical care, 
and it's all about clinical care, mm-hmm. and which it should be. But the problem is, is that drives over time a wedge between our patients and ourselves to the point where we discount the way patients view what we do. And I think it's time to expand our definition of quality of care to include conveniences for patients because we live in a world where still half of the adults don't see a dentist regularly. 22% of people put off dentistry because of dental anxiety. So we need to make it more accessible. If we truly want to help people's oral health improve, we need to address the fact that that we create too much anxiety and we're too, as you said, like the bar is too high to get people in the practice, get their seat in the chair and actually deliver the dentistry at a high quality level too. And that's really what I think as an industry we need to shift to personally. And that's really what I'm trying to do with the technology we're delivering, with the message that I'm delivering out is trying to show people that we need to go beyond margins and shade and root inclination Mm. and occlusion to include things like how easy is it to pay for, for your services? How easy is it to make an appointment to fill out your medical history for, you know, right after the shutdown, there was a study that showed about half of patients. I think it's actually more than half of patients actually switched physicians if they didn't have the right digital onboarding experience. So they actually switched medical providers because of how hard it was to fill out their forms online, like you were saying. Yeah. But the origins come out of well-meaning places. We Mm -hmm. all went to dentistry to care for people. But if we want to do that at the highest level, we have to learn to not absorb their feelings. And so really recognizing what's going on and going, well, that's I don't want to be empathetic and absorb their discomfort because it's Mm -hmm. incapacitating, but shifting to be able to be compassionate and not absorb that and, but still address their concerns. Right. We were talking a little bit before about like social media and those groups. If you listen to the the chatter that goes on in the dental profession about patients, it's very discounting of their perspective and we're only hurting ourselves and our patients. I am glad some of those groups are private. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, in a public facing group, yeah, we need to really watch what we have to say. I agree with you. There's a a lot of, I'm going to just go ahead and speak to the office managers that I know. Listen, we're kind of guilty of that too, especially office managers of my age. We were so used to doing things in such a way, you know, paper scheduling. Gosh, I remember I had such anxiety about getting rid of my paper schedule. You're, I think you're a little bit younger than I am. So I don't know if you had that. I went through the same anxiety. Yeah. Oh my God. It was, I could not imagine letting go of this thing. Somebody was going to mess up my book, you know? So, but we also didn't have as much change flying at us back then. Now it seems like there's new technology to not only evaluate, but stay on top of cost comparisons all of the time. So I hear often, especially I'll just bring up text reminders. There are girls and mostly girls that I know that won't do it because they think that no one's going to confirm an appointment better than they are. They think no one's going to talk to that patient better than they do. But the reality is, and I'll say to them, well, how often do you get through? Because nobody answers the phone anymore. And then they're like, oh yeah, I just leave a lot of messages. But it's because we're so used to it. People just don't like change. So I have a question for you. I've always wanted to ask you this, believe it or not. So in the beginning, I remember seeing you at a booth at SCN, Speaking Consulting Network, and you spent a lot of time explaining why, why, why. Now you've explained why, why, why for how long? Like years, more than a decade to people wanting to purchase your product. Now do you just tell them to go get a demo? Do you have a salesperson that goes and does this? At what point do you go, I've explained this a million times? 
I don't do a lot of demoing anymore, just just for capacity's sake. I'm happy yeah. to do it, but I'm also not the best person to do it because I I'm wired to think of the next thing or to to come up with a new solution. You know, I've went through the pain like you talked about of switching from a paper schedule to a calendar, right? Mm-hmm. But what happened for me is that was the first seed of a big snowball, and now I'm doing we're into AI and robotics and emerging technologies. And so for me to talk about the importance of paperless forms for texting recall, it's not that I, I've never been very good about it because I had trouble describing what I see to other people. Okay. Because to me, it's obvious in my brain, but difficult to come out the mouth, right? Whereas other people have that gift. And that's what I've noticed with, with innovators in this industry. You see people who are always, you know, creating and you just wonder how long is it going to take them to get tired of this particular product and move on to the next one. And you've always been consistent with your products, but I have noticed that, that there's almost like a, here's my product, you should love it. And then they walk away and let people love it. It's been interesting for me to see all of the innovation that goes on. You mentioned AI. Don't let me forget. I want to get back to that because that's okay. pretty exciting stuff. Okay. So let's talk about the book. You said you were going to do something for our, our listeners for the book. So there'll be details in the show notes for that. When you wrote the book, the target market was really dentists or the industry? Dental industry. Okay. The industry yeah. as a whole. Okay. Because I just want to make sure like my managers are going to be like, is this going to help me? Oh, definitely. Because you have to think two steps ahead at this point. Tell me about what are you working on right now that you think is going to have the biggest impact on the management side, the administrative side? I'm curious about that. And then we can move into the robotics. <laughs> so first, I'll talk about the book because I think it is important because it really describes the thinking behind how to evaluate technologies and what's mm-hmm. important, really. It's called the Patient First Manifesto. It's really about what we were talking about before, putting the patient's perspective first, like primary, because I think that's been lost in, in dentistry. Not just lost from the standpoint of helping patients. It's truly how you build a practice. If you're mm-hmm. if you're an office manager, if you're looking to be part of growth in your practice, it describes the perspective of patients, the disconnection between why dentists, uh, dental team members, in fact, healthcare members and patients view things differently and what to do about it. the pieces of the puzzle to put in place to truly address what patients are looking for. I don't talk to a ton of office managers every day like you do. So I would say to you, you know, I'd kind of throw the question back to you, like, what is the biggest issue going on today? Well, now I'm going to answer my own question, but (laughs) for me, I believe right now the biggest issue is staffing in dentistry. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's hands down staffing and not just staffing, but there's a couple different aspects. And of course, because, you know, everything to me looks like insurance, the whole eligibility piece, and that's separate. The staffing is 100% more important. What bothers me the most is that people are hired often with no healthcare experience, much less dental. And then they're expected to run practices that are million dollar practices. I mean, that's exactly what happened to me. I was hired straight out of school, out of college, and I didn't expect to stick around. I was on my way to post-grad and loved it, but I was expected to manage a million dollar practice right off the bat with no business. And now we joke, you know, I'm still friends with him, still work very part-time for him. But now we joke like, what a dumb thing that was, you know, like (laughs) he got lucky because it could have been just anybody coming in. And that's what I'm seeing. And being just anybody isn't a bad thing, but being just anybody and not having support is a recipe for disaster. I just don't see a lot of support. I have girls that take my class and, and boys that take my class 
They've never seen a P&L and they're managing practices. They've never seen a P&L. They're asking me, what number should I track? I ask them what KPIs are. They've never heard the term KPI. So I think there's a basic business gap. I mean, even dentists too. So the staffing, we can't find people. And then when we find people, we want them to just fill the space and do the mundane stuff when really we should be looking for a practice partner. That's my rant. Did you know you were going to get a rant like that? It was beautiful. No, I, I couldn't agree more. It's not, it's not rant if you're, if you're right. right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ooh, I got to tell my husband that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's my problem. That's my perspective, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I agree with you. So two big things I, that I would like to touch on that you said, you know, we talked about staffing is a big issue. And I, I think you hit it directly correctly. We have people who are doing mundane tasks in dentistry that can be offloaded easily. One of the things in dentistry prior to to the COVID shutdown is that people had too many team members doing boring, soul-sucking, mundane tasks that no human being should be doing when for $50 a month, you can offload it to something that works 24-7, 365, doesn't get sick, right? And that is not being leveraged in practices today. And so you can free people up to do in dentistry what they want to do, which is connect with other people, right? So number one, I think there's, you know, everything from paperless forms to recall and automated reviews and, you know, intra-office communication and all sorts of things you can just automate and make it easier, better, faster, like like that, right? And I, I personally think that the best place to start is paperless forms. For example, in, in our practice with our Opera DDS forms, every patient, every single time, you save about 10 minutes because you have a medical pre-screening form that people fill out. You have the car side check-in because right now we can't have a reception area, although it's opening up some places, yeah. right? And then you have a consent form. And that's minimally three forms. And if you ha- you were doing that with paper, I mean, every one of those touch points is a gigantic pain, sucks time and yes. energy out of your, and money out of your practice. And it's way easier automating that. So automation is one thing. The next thing that we're working on, which we talked a little bit about that I'm excited about, is a partnership with that we have with Gary Cady on our new platform that we're building called Abundance. It's, it's Abundance, D-E-N-T-S, where basically it's numbers made easy. You know, your easy graphs that show you, it integrates with QuickBooks Online, your practice management system, and it shows you your profitability, the value of your practice, your team performance, the big numbers you really care about on easy-to-see graphs. And then it flags you when things are off. We have all the metrics that you kind of would need to, that you would want to look at, case acceptance, new patients, production, all that. But we have it in a way that it's how dentists read numbers. You know, you can look at it year to date, month by month. What is my profitability? Mm-hmm. And you have it sitting there right in front of you, right when you enter the, the application. And then it'll flag your case acceptance is down. You can go here to Abundance University and get training. Oh, cool. So we like to say we're not just the scale telling you you're fat. We give you the nutritionist and the fitness trainer too, a lot to go along with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that really business metrics are becoming big mm-hmm. in dentistry, but I think a lot of the platforms out there are really doing what software platforms tend to do in dentistry, which is just ratcheting up the cost by adding features that people may not want or need, right? It's a cool factor that's really unnecessary. I mean, the most common complaint I hear about dashboards is that they're overpriced and I don't use most of the software or most of the reports in there, I really care about this, this, and this. 
maybe they have one feature that they love, you know, maybe one particular report, but yeah, it it needs to be easily digestible and not something you have Mm -hmm. to pick and choose from 300 settings. Well, and I should ask, do you have 300 settings that we're going to have to get through? (laughs) No, no. Our partner in this is Gary Katie, who, you know, and his team actually sets it up for you, basically. So it's all set up. Very easy to do. Basically, the only thing that needs to be set up is how you categorize expenses, because we we integrate with QuickBooks, which a lot mm-hmm. don't. And if you're only looking at your practice management numbers, you're missing half of the equation. And I know you've talked to dentists like this. I talk to them all the time who have massive production and wondering where the money's right. going, right? That's a huge piece of it. You know, in business, they say revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, right? If you want to be insane, have a million dollar practice that you don't know where the money's right. going. And I'm sure there's many people doing that. So profitability is king. And so not having your expenses well categorized is a, is a big problem in dentistry. And so with, I mean, we open it up and you see it right there, clear as day. And I think that will, that alone will help tremendously help a lot of people. And the prices, you know, for, for our dashboard is about half of what a traditional dashboard is, just because I feel strongly, you know, a lot of software companies and or innovation companies in dentistry have a massive sales team and marketing mm-hmm. team, and they're more sales organizations than innovation companies, right? And we're the opposite of that. We we like to create the best products for the best price, and then they kind of sell themselves. That's why we have some of the most used platforms in dentistry that nobody that nobody knows <laughs> about, right? And they're like, I didn't know that that existed. Yeah. So as far as knowing the numbers, it's super important because if you are looking to make a new purchase, you said CBT, CBCT is 100,000. I mean, it's a big, it's a big chunk to take on. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know what you can afford. When I was full-time consulting, I don't do it much anymore. When I was looking at projecting out for budgets and, and purchases, when I first started working with them, they often did not know what they could afford in the next couple months. Like they wanted the CBCT, but then when we take a look at the numbers, there's no way they could afford it. Or maybe they could afford it and they just didn't realize it. So being able to look at that cash flow and projected cash flow, I think is super, super important. So that's that'd be great to monitor. Yeah, I agree completely with, with your point about how offices, they have the ability to get a CT scan in their office. They just may not be looking at the profitability. They don't know where the money's going. So being able to clearly see that is vitally important. And I feel like we, you know, and I've been guilty of this my entire career. That's one of the reasons, you know, why I understand the problem is because I I lived the problem for 20 years. I think that we have a fiduciary responsibility to our patients to have a financially sound practice so that we can provide the highest level of care, however you define that. And so I think that there's people who are today placing implants. And they were like, boy, I wish I could afford a CT scan for the quality of care. The thing is, the CT scan doesn't pay for the CT scan necessarily. It can. Mm -hmm. But what you're really doing is you, you just have to have a healthy practice, getting whatever piece of technology that you want to have to deliver that quality of care to your patients is a no brainer. And so by doing the easier things that paperless forms and recall and things like that, you, you'll you have the extra profit where when the CT scan comes along, you can go, okay, I want to work on this being profitable, obviously, because we're running a business here. But if the financials of your practice are sound, the decision is easy. Of um, You don't have to make a decision between quality of care and being profitable, Yeah. right? Those two things 
should go hand in hand when mm-hmm. done right. That's one of the beautiful things about dentistry is that when done right, everybody wins. Right. So I have a question though. You said that we get an email if a certain metric isn't met or is that a metric set by the practice or is that an industry metric that you've known from the researcher from Gary's research? Great question. There's some things in process, right? So okay. we're working with one of the major, <laughs> another major group to put those metrics in place for people, but then you can adjust them if you want. Okay. Right? okay. So we have the industry norms and then we're working with some partners on those in- industry norms, which are some of the most well-known financial people in the industry. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be able to tweak them. If like, let's say you're Let's say you're massively profitable and you have 50% profit. You don't want to say how great you're doing every month. You want to get them <laughs> to 40% profit or 40% overhead, right? You can you can tweak yeah. the, the dials if you want to. I had a, a client who is very active in his church, and it was very important for him to tie the certain part of his collections. And, and it was free work, really. So his collections ratio was never at 98% or above. It was always down by 93, 94, but that was because he chose it. So a software system that has industry standards would be blinking red alert to him, but for him, it's it would be normal. So I think that's important that you're going to let them put in the factors. It's really individualized at that point. That's fantastic. I, I'm excited about that. I love the name. I'm excited about it coming out. So I definitely need to have some info on that. I already told Brian, uh, I need to see this thing in action when it's ready to go. So <laughs> Yeah, we, we're beta testing it now with the QuickBooks integration, which is that alone is great because you get to see your profitability. And I'm really excited about what we're doing with practice valuation because uh, I sold my practice a couple of years ago, the majority of it. Mm-hmm. I kind of had a clue of what it, what it was, but I didn't know what my profitability was and I didn't mm-hmm. know how practices are valued. I think there's a lot of dentists out there. In fact, I did a big research study and about a third of the dentists have no idea what the value of their practice is. A third, <laughs> a third have a good idea and a third think they might kind of know. And so, (laughs) you know, obviously something's only worth what somebody's willing to pay you for it. I think that that's a piece of the industry where we're over the next six to 12 months, really be calibrating the valuations of practices in new ways. Cause I think that it's something that the industry needs. So when you sold your practice, I have to imagine it was more expensive than most because of all the toys you probably have accumulated over the years. And you don't have to tell me if it was or not, but I just imagine walking into your office and it's got like all of the toys. That's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. I, what, I, what I would say is that it was more profitable than the average. It is more profitable than the average practice. And we have all the toys, right? We have a CT scan and multiple lasers and mm-hmm. multiple CAD cam systems and uh, everything, right? But it's not the toys that, like, it's not the technology that raises the value of the practice. It's the, it's the profitability. Right. If you can implement technology to be to make you profitable, then your practice will be worth more, right? I mean, it's a, a, someone might pay an extra twenty thousand dollars because you because you have a CAD CAM system, but if you get an extra multiple on your practice because of, of your profitability, that's really where valuation of you know getting your practice to be as profitable, you know, a higher valuation. It's really I think about profitability, and most dentists have no clue, including myself. Up until the point that I sold my practice, I had no idea how pro- – I didn't, I didn't even know that we were that profitable, but I did know that if I wanted to buy a CT scan, I could just buy it because mm-hmm. we had the funds, right? That's really a, a big piece. And so, you know, an, another thing that kind of came out of COVID that we've been doing is I have a new educational platform called Upgrade Dental. One of our courses is called the Growth Roadmap. 
it's a roadmap of every technology in dentistry in the order that you should implement them, right? Oh, wow. Usually it's just patch, patch, patch. For every stop on the roadmap, and right now I think we have 23 stops, I talk about the technology, how we got there, run it through what we call the cost of implementing, which is the, it's an acronym for how does it affect clinical quality observations by patients. The S is a dollar sign for ROI and T is for team health. And then give a specific recommendation and why uh, for each one. And like the first stop on the roadmap is digital x-rays. Like I don't think in the year 2021, you should use film x-rays personally. But it's very still prevalent. Some of the numbers that I get from Danby because they do Mm -hmm. x-ray certification and from ADA, it's still quite a lot. Absolutely. I'm always surprised. Always surprised. If you believe that film x-rays still have a place in dentistry, don't go to Upgrade Dental and go through my growth roadmap because you will be offended by just about (laughs) everything I say. There's no reason to use film today. And so then we go up and then we get into the more robotics and AI and virtual reality and things that are more, especially like robotics and AI, where there's not really a need to put robotics in your office today, but it's it's on the Mm -hmm. emerging side and there definitely will be at some point in time. So the idea is that emerging technologies start on the right, and then they eventually, you know, at one point, digital x-rays was an emerging technology. And now I think you should hang up your handpiece if you don't have digital x-rays, right? So that's the way technology works. And then we have a bunch of other courses. Uh, We just started Upgrade Dental prior to the the shutdown, and and it's really been exploding since then because everybody's doing more online training and listening and stuff. So yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank God, because all the live speaking events for me got canceled. So thank God people still want to learn virtually. Now, you were mentioning the AI piece. And I've been doing some work with this with some of the companies just evaluating why and and giving them some direction and people to meet and all that kind of stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. innovators. I'm stunned at what the implications are for a dentist especially a mentoring dentist, to be able to take a look at what the associate dentist sees and help them with that, but not right there. Like if you have algorithms there, so listeners bear with me while I try to explain it so that managers can kind of get where I'm coming from. Imagine that we had x-rays up on the screen and there's an algorithm behind it that tells you whether or not the dentist treatment planned aggressively or not aggressively enough. Is there something big that they missed? And it's not meant to chastise the dentist, but it's meant to help catch anything that that we need to do with the patient because we're humans. It's human nature. But then also I was learning about how it's being used in fraud detection, which is for me, that's very exciting because there are a lot of clinicians that do some shady stuff with insurance claims. Uh, We'll be able to catch it from there. But I'm not on the robot side. So that's really kind of cool to be able to bring that in. You're talking about like microscopes or hand pieces. I mean, are you talking about like actual in-mouth Yeah, there's a robotic implant uh, system that's come out. And I think that there's going to be more robotics coming out in dentistry. Not, you know, that's sort of on the far end of emerging technologies. Sure. You know, I've, I've talked to the, you know, really great systems that they're developing, but they also know that they're at the tip of the spear at the beginning of it, right? And so it will become more prevalent. There's been some really interesting work done in robotics that I think will eventually, you know, affect the industry. But like you said, eventually comes faster than I would have thought. Mm -hmm. The explosion of AI right now in dentistry is all over the place. The ones making the most noise right now are the AI radiographic companies, because Mm -hmm. to your point, you know, let's face it, there's the insurance companies have a lot to gain from this, looking at 
fraud and waste and abuse, right? Oh, well, there's a reason that most of these AI companies have all pitched to the carriers. You know, I'm a member of National Association of Dental Plans, and they're all, all in there. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to make sure that I underscore that point that the carriers have a lot to gain by implementing mm-hmm. this. They save millions of dollars. Yeah. And, and convincing a dentist that this AI will help them diagnose and increase treatment plan one by one is much is a much more difficult job than just going to an insurance company and saying, you can save millions of dollars, right? Right. You know, that's really <laughs> going to help the industry adopt AI, frankly, right? But there's AI and mm-hmm. all over the place. You know, it's not just there. Well, there's voice calls, mm-hmm. like even evaluating how you answer the phone and picking up you know, little phrases that you had. I know one company offers that. It's even in places that we don't think about it. You know, yeah, AI feels like it's iRobot and all that kind of stuff, but it's not. It's way more accessible than that. So I'm hoping it becomes more mainstream that we talk about it more. It still feels very, you know, minority report to a lot of people. So, (laughs) you know, the product that we have that's going to be launching in the next, well, 60 days called Chart Notes, which is really an AI chart note writer. Because the number one reason why people, why dentists lose malpractice claims is due to lack of documentation. Chart notes will A, tell you if a chart was, if the chart was written for a procedure, B, grade it. So if there's something missing, missing, it will let you know. And, and also if it's not written, it will propose a note for you to just lightly tweak. So make it makes writing notes, evaluating your notes much easier, which I think is a uh, big missing piece in a lot of offices right now. The documentation's hard. Oh, yeah, for sure. The insurance companies now, back in 2018, Delta, uh, New England wanted clinical note screenshots only. They didn't want narratives Mm -hmm. anymore. And now National Delta has moved to that as well. So I've been teaching in classes, forget these narratives, get your doctors to document appropriately. So having good chart notes, malpractice, yeah, but getting your claims paid. I mean, how much money do we waste on um, insurance coordinators appealing and sending in additional information, just send the chart notes. And then of course, there's somebody in my class that always says, well, my doctor doesn't write up the notes, his documentation sucks. And then I'm like, okay, well, so now I have some place to send them. Yeah, it's a big problem. Plus, just think of the hours that people spend writing notes. And it's another one of those sort of mundane things that if you if you can have AI assist you in doing that, why wouldn't you want mm-hmm. to, right? So I'm really excited about that product. And so, and I think you know, to your point, artificial intelligence is, is just another way when we have what I believe to be one of the largest issues in dentistry that's going to continue on for a while, which is which is the lack of people to perform these things. Let's leverage technology mm-hmm. to get it done and get it done at a higher level. I mean, if you talk to somebody who looks at chart notes for a living, they're probably appalled at what they see 80, 90% of the time, right? Oh, for sure. No, as, as somebody who used to train on that, and, you know, I still see them because they get sent to me and I'm still working with a few offices. But, you know, if your chart note is four lines, we're going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so your malpractice lawyer, if your lawyer did a spot visit to your practice, what would happen? Would you get canceled? And that's a question that I used to ask. And they would be like, oh, yeah, probably. Well, yeah, because you're not using any of the information that they gave you in the seminars that they require you to take. Yeah. Let's work on this right now. It's it's pretty funny to see like their eyes open. It has to hit them financially, which is which is kind of sad, but if that's the way it, it happens, it's the way it's gotta go. But when I mention that documentation drives your revenue, that's my tagline. Mm. And don't get sued because it's expensive. I mean, and you're you're saying to the malpractice point, 
that's the first thing they look at is how complete. And if it's not complete, they settle and you get a mark against you, whether or not you were right, they're going to settle. And that's really sad. You probably run into that. That's probably one of the things that you, not yourself, but dentists having that, that's probably something that you've encountered stories you've heard along the way about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the roles that I have is I'm innovation officer for Dental Care Alliance. And so I get to see things across hundreds of offices and then come up with solutions for them. And that's kind of what chart notes came out of. We had a, There's a problem with documentation in offices, so let's just fix it, right? That's kind of mm-hmm. how that product came to be. The majority of offices have issues. I mean, I know, for example, in my office, I was horrible at writing notes. I would have an assistant who would write my notes. I'd have the office manager make sure that the note was written. And then I would go over that. I mean, it's, <laughs> and it's a huge waste of time, right? Yeah. And we have had technology that helps write notes, but it still was not efficient. Right. There's a lot of things that, that we can do to make it easier for people to have better documentation, which is really what should be, right? It just shouldn't be that hard. I would love it if we could just do voice notes and have that work, but... I think there's actually been a ruling against that, being able to use that. And it's because of the integrity of the recording or something like that. I'd have to look. It's been years since I looked into that. They do want written yeah. chart notes. And that's exciting. So I'm going to I'm gonna circle back to you on that when that comes out, because I that's something I can talk about in my classes cool. for sure. I'm going to have to get a screenshot from you to put up on the screen so people can see. Because that's another thing, too, is, is, you know, the managers will take my class and they'll say, well, what does a good documentation look like because they're not clinical. So they're not even sure what's it supposed to look like. Even when the AI is doing it for you, you need to know what a good note is. And mm-hmm. yeah, you have to read the, read it and, and verify it yeah. and make sure, yes, that that's exactly what we did, right? I mean, there's that's the piece with with AI is it, it's not going to re- remove a human, the human element that we have. Right. It's just what we want to do is remove the barriers to get things done the way that they should be done by making it easier to do the pieces that only a human can do, right? That's at its best. Mm-hmm. That's what AI does is, is it does the boring, mundane thinking, and then you can just bring the human element that is required. It's not a, it's not a replacement. It's a augmentation for, to help us do what we need to do. That's a great way of looking at it. It's not a replacement, but I think that's the fear of a lot of team members is I'm going to get replaced. You sold your practice to Dental Care Alliance, and now you're able to see things on a larger level because you have more offices that you're taking a look at and industry trends. We talked about the staffing and why you know we're not getting people. Do you have a theory on why why we're having such issues getting new people into the industry? Do you have any insight on that? I mean, I hear a million different insights, and they all seem to be right. Pay, whatever. Do you have any special thoughts on that? I haven't really thought too much about getting people into the industry. I know that from the dentist perspective, not from hygienists or office managers or assistants, but from the dentist perspective, I think there's a lot more debt coming out of dental school and pay is more questionable than it, than it used to be. I'm a little shocked at the volume of hygienists that are leaving the profession because I've always thought of hygiene as a phenomenal job. I mean, wages are great. Yeah. Hours are good. I think it's a phenomenal position to be in. And to have basically 10% of profession leave because of COVID is a huge shock to me. I mean, I I would not have guessed that. 
I do think I want, you know, and now I'm going through like the list of projects that I'm part of, but one of my companies is called Quickly. It's a temporary agency that works like Uber, hygienists okay. and assistants uh, that I'm part of. That was uh, just two great guys uh, locally that one of their moms is a hygienist that worked in my office as a temp. So I got to know them and together we developed this application. And now we have 250 employees in the Minneapolis metro area. And we just opened up in Madison and Milwaukee. And so we're going to be expanding across oh. the country. We just got our first round of funding from an outside investment that I'm super excited about. That's great. The reason why I mention it is that through the, the two amazing founders of Quickly, who are really great at recruiting, I believe that part of what is going on is, and I'm sounding like old man Laskin, like the younger generation really like to have this sort of gig economy, want to work when they want to work, not work when they want to work. Mm -hmm. And so quickly has had a gigantic influx of assistants and hygienists who are looking to work for them because finding quality offices, pairing them with quality employees, but having it be flexible from the employee's standpoint is very attractive towards the hygienist and assistant. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, being a hygienist or an assistant or a dentist, you know, you're working when you're seeing patients, right? Right. And so being able to have flexibility in that, maybe we could attract more people. Which is really almost goes against, it's almost like a sacred cow, right? Like that we have to have a team in the office when the doctor's in the office at all times. Nobody leaves until everybody's ready to go, that kind of thing. But I think you're right. You have a lot of young fathers and mothers who can't afford to do a seven to five shift because they've got kids and soccer practice now. And it is hard. It's hard to be in an office for that long, especially now that COVID has happened and people have got used to spending more time with their families. I think that has a lot to do with it. I know a lot of my office manager friends who have left to start their own thing doing billing or consulting because they realized it's a lot more work now to manage a practice because now you also have to be some sort of PPE director at the same time. And so there's been um, a lot of frustration and burnout. I think exactly what you were saying, the employee is the focus now, not necessarily the practice. And I think for a lot of owner dentists and old school managers like myself, that's a hard shift. I think that's where you're having a lot of problems. It's like, why can't people show up for their interviews? It's different because they didn't show up for their interview because this office down the road is more flexible and was able to do an interview over Zoom rather than having to show up to your office. And, and there's just a lot going on there. So your company quickly is, are they doing a lot of research in that area? Like, will they be releasing like any stats or anything like that? Because that's those are cool stats to have. Yeah. The short answer is not that I know of because <laughs> I'm a small part of that company, but Yes, you know, internally they're doing quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that as as dentists or office managers, if I were to design my office today, I can tell you I would design it around the team members. I would have the break room situated and just like we become disconnected with our patients, I think one of the things that we do is sort of a how we award staff or how we have our break rooms and things like that is the last thing on the checklist. Yes. Right. And I think that, you know, like Richard Branson says, if you take care of your staff, they take care of your customers or patients. Right. And so I think that there is a lack of appreciation for team members rampant in dentistry, too. You know, the team members are really the lifeblood of the dental practice. Mm -hmm. Historically, 
if you look at the model where a hygienist would work with a single dentist for 25 years for their career, that's not the way that people work today. Yeah. You know, my dad worked for 3M for over 40 years, right? If somebody works for 3M now, if they work for 3M for five years, they're probably in three different departments. Right. right? People jump around and that's just the way, you know, the workforce is today. And so having flexibility and being really attractive to to be able to attract key employees, I think is a probably part of part of the issue. Other industries are just better at attracting talent than we are. Well, you know, different pay and benefits. I mean, that's always, I see the people who stay with their dentists the longest usually have some sort of benefit package. And if they're really lucky, some sort of retirement package. And that's just not the norm. Whereas in corporate, that is the norm. So it's hard to compete with that. I mean, quite honestly, do you want to talk about tooth apps? Sure. Like if I could go through all of your projects, I would, but we would run out of time. So talk to me about tooth apps. So we've already talked about a couple of the applications, which are in tooth apps. We've talked about abundance Mm -hmm. and chart notes, which are native applications to the platform that we're calling tooth apps, which you can think of as like the app store for dentistry, like the Apple app store or Google play store, where there's a base of native applications. Then other developers plug their applications into tooth apps. And then you can leverage multiple applications across the platform. For example, one of our partners is Futuredonics, who does 1-800-Dentist and Dentistry.com, right? And so very soon, Dentistry.com is using our native teledentistry application within ToothApps so that you can bring in new patients through through Dentistry.com's teledentistry platform, which Mm -hmm. is ToothApps. So really what we're doing is we're taking dentistry.com, plugging it into tooth apps. We already have a native teledentistry application that it's free to use. You just, you saw free to sign up for, then it's 50 cents per minute to use. Our research shows that even people that use our teledentistry platform use it like 15 minutes a month. I was just going to say, it's not a lot of time. Yeah. So if it's 15 minutes a month, you pay seven and a half dollars, right? Versus $200 a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you can use it across multiple applications within the Tooth Apps platform, which is kind of kind of cool. We have a native, like you said, text-to-pay kind of platform called ToothPay. We're not very uh, ingenious with our names. We have a very easy-to-use, what we call IT-free website platform called Tooth Sites. And what's cool about all of this, like the Tooth Site, when you sign up for Tooth Apps, you sign up for ToothPay and you get your tooth site for free. So your website is free. And what's fun about it is that as you turn on and off tooth apps on the platform, they just magically appear on your on your website. Wow. So you don't have to go to a web provider and say, I want my forms on my website. You turn on Opera DDS forms, they show up on your website. You turn on the teledentistry widget and it pops on your website. Like whatever you turn on and off magically appears on your website. And then there's a login for your employees. So if you want to have HIPAA training, you go to our HIPAA training partner on ToothApps, but you don't have, even have to log into ToothApps. You just go right to your own website, log in. That's what ToothApps is. It's it's a platform for all the applications you need in dentistry okay. that has sort of a unified experience for dentists to plug into. One thing, and plugs you plug in your practice management system, you know, okay. if it's EagleSoft or Open Dental or Dentrix. And I think a lot of dentists... They don't mind having, they want to have all this functionality, but they want to only pay for what they use, right? And so that's what we're kind of bringing with Tooth Apps is just pick what you want to use. And then as much as possible, we're doing it so that you only pay for what you really use. Like if you want to use teledentistry 10 minutes a month, 
going to cost you $5 a month. With the pandemic, for sure, there's been a focus on all these subscriptions, all these recurring subscriptions that people didn't even realize they were having. And all these uh, subscription products started seeing mass cancellations because, you know, nobody realizes they're playing, paying for two different accounts of Spotify, you know, in two different offices. They don't think about that kind of stuff. The one thing I was hearing loud and clear before the pandemic is these monthly bills are killing me. If you can consolidate that, anybody in the industry, if they can consolidate that, make it easier. I mean, that's that's going to be excellent. So I, I love it. So it's like a little ecosphere, ecosphere of uh, tooth apps, I think is what it sounds like to me. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, where there's a, uh, you know, if you use Apple devices, right? There's mm-hmm. an Apple calendar that all your Apple apps plug into. Not right now, but very soon we're going to have a unified calendar where you can plug in your Google calendar, your Apple calendar, your EagleSoft calendar. Yeah. Whatever tooth apps you have will be on your calendar. We have the unified website for all of your, your applications to be sort of, so you don't have to call a, a website provider who's going to charge you $1,000 to put a button on your website, that kind of thing. We're really trying to remove what I like to call the dentist tax on software, right? You get to choose what you want to use, what you don't want to use, and you only pay for what you use, which is, like you said, you know, I think there a lot of the subscription models, what they're trying to do is just add features that people aren't using so they can crank up the cost. We're doing the opposite. We're deconstructing all of that. And then you can choose whatever you want to use, choose whatever you don't want to use, and you only pay for what you use. I love that you use the term dentist tax. And so any listeners, if you're fairly new to the industry, that's a real thing. If you go buy cabinets at the local cabinet dude, you're going to get a really good deal. But if you buy cabinets through some of the other cabinet dealers in dentistry, it's way different price, you know, and that's always been the joke of buy outside of the industry and you'll get a better deal. And I think as soon as the DDS or DMD appears behind your name, you're all of a sudden in a different pricing bracket. I've never understood for CE why the doctor pays so much for CE and the hygienist is a little bit lower, but the CE is the same, right? But why does the doctor have to pay so much? And the only thing you can think of is because they're a doctor. That's really it. And it's always kind of bothered me a little bit. So, I mean, only because I've registered my boss for so many classes and I'm paying this much and he's paying, you know, a couple, two, 300 more than I am. I'm like $95 to attend. He's the same person maybe even East less than I do. So you know, yeah. why, why does he have to pay $400 more? But anyways, there's my rant again. I about that. You're exactly, you're, you're exactly right. It's always been maddening to me. And you would get a more consistent audience and loyal members if you had just a little bit less. So yeah, it's, it's always been something. And whenever I price my seminars, it's always one price. I'm not trying to, yeah. I don't like the doctor tax because I've seen my doctor go crazy over it. And mm-hmm. I remember looking oh my gosh, you mentioned going to digital radiographs. We evaluated so many different systems way back when. And it was just, it's so expensive being a dentist. I don't know how you guys do it, honestly. Like to look at the bill and realize that you have this big number to meet on a regular basis and and have people depending on you for their paychecks. That's a level of stress that I was really glad I was never the owner. Yeah, and I, I think you have you have great insight into what's going on on the back end I think a lot of team members don't, you know, they see the production numbers. They don't think about the expense numbers. And you're exactly right. There's a lot of dentists who are hurting now, right? I mean, I, like you said, I, I'm still an owner in my practice, but I'm minority owner. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, I mean, I could not have done it at a better time, right? I, uh, two years ago, I transitioned out of the majority, you know, I was the sole owner of the practice. 
And then I focused on things like teledentistry and paperless forms and, you know, technology that were incredibly hot during COVID. Mm-hmm. And so I look like Nostradamus in, in the rearview mirror, right? But it's, <laughs> but, but it's a large part, it's, it's dumb luck or lack of luck, depending on how you look at it. But, but I think there's a lot of dentists who are hurting right now because, because I mean, the, the PPE charges, their wages have skyrocketed mm-hmm. because we are all hurting for team members. And I think it's important. You know, that's one of the things like the teledentistry platform that we're launching, having it be free to sign up for than 50 cents per minute per use. I mean, the reason why is there's, there's no reason not to do that. And it's going to help people out. I'm hearing of offices every single day that are shutting down because of a COVID case, right? I mean, those offices should not have to pay $200 a month to talk to the two patients that month that they need to. Right. We're doing just fine providing services the way that I think it makes sense to provide them. Mm-hmm. And from an outsider developer perspective, because now I'm, you know, do software developer development, there hasn't been a good platform to bring an application into dentistry where you can not charge people the dentist tax, let me put it that way. <laughs> and so that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah. The barrier to getting access to the patient information and things like that has been very high up, up till now. You were active during the shutdown, and we can wrap this up. We could talk for hours, I think. Yeah. You were really active during the shutdown because teledentistry all of a sudden came out of nowhere. And I mean, we knew about it, but now all of a sudden everybody wanted to be teledentist. Was that the majority of what you were working on? What was really dominating your time right when the pandemic was starting to hit? Well, boy, that's a good question. I think I was talking about teledentistry a lot, Mm -hmm. but I took my team. We had a meeting, I remember vividly, and I said, this this pandemic is going to be, we are going to be busy until this goes over. And these next six months will set up the next decade for us as a company. Interesting. And so we got to work and we were working like everybody on my team was, we couldn't sign people up fast enough for our services. Mm -hmm. And then we were, I was focused on developing, A, making sure that we could remove the friction in signing up for services and B, developing the next services, which is Tooth Apps, Mm -hmm. which is our, our new teledentistry platform which is chart notes and toothpay and abundance, right? So I've really, and I wrote the book. So yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of had a message. The book was actually came about after we were doing this. So I'm like, we have so much good stuff that we're launching. But the biggest barrier in people's minds is going to be, why is it important to focus on the patient experience? And that's really what my career has been, is trying to improve the patient experience first through how to deliver a painless injection, mm-hmm. right? And now it's through things like chart notes and VR and abundance. I think it's really, it all comes down to what we were talking about before, making it easy for, for us to put the patient's perspective first so that, right. so that we all win. Well, you know, when I first entered dentistry, there was a lot of, oh my gosh, dentistry is going to turn into a commodity. We can't let that happen. It was already a commodity at that point. I think we do need to look at it from a customer service point of view. So I'm really glad there's people that are looking at it from outside of dentistry and applying those lessons. So I am going to have all sorts of links to your stuff in the show notes. It's going to be a big set of show notes, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, they can reach out to your team to get more information on any. Should they go straight to tooth apps or can they go directly? Like if they only want the chart, can they go directly to the chart? 
uh, to chart notes. Chart yeah. notes isn't released yet. That will be coming in the next couple couple weeks. Calm down, everyone, because I know I'm excited about it. Thanks. I'll definitely give you the link. Toothapps.com okay. is a great hub. Also, to get a free copy of the book, go to patientfirstbook.com. If you just go to patientfirstbook.com, there's a link where you can get it for free. You do have to put in a credit card, but you can put zero. And so it's, it's just <laughs> the, the way the checkout system works. Yeah, and then operaddds.com is really the, uh, you know, our communication platform that's, I mean, it's in thousands of offices right now. So that's that's fun. Yeah, and upgradedental.com, I guess, <laughs> which is the educational platform. But I think you could get a link to all of it if you go to patientfirstbook.com. Okay. I think that's probably the best because then you can kind of read about not just our technology. It's, a, it's, I think, a fairly entertaining book filled with stories about why it's important to, to to look at the patient's perspective and how expanding our definition of quality of care needs to get beyond getting 10 more megapascals on, 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 in your ceramics mm-hmm. to to making it so that people aren't freaked out when they come in our offices, right? I heard someone call it not quality of care. It was in a different industry. They had a different term. It was quality of something. But then they started calling it the quality of the encounter. So that's that was their tagline was the quality of the encounter. So I'm glad that we're focusing on that because it is more than just making sure the composite bonds. There's a lot more more to that. Thank you so much. I knew this would be fun, but I didn't know um, it was going to be this much fun. So thank you. I've been <laughs> wanting you on the podcast for a while, so I'm glad uh, you were able to come on. Well, thank you. And thanks for all you do for dentistry. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, dear listeners, as always, I so appreciate that you spend your time with me. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.